Welcome to the Better Than I Found It podcast. This is your host, Mike McGraw, the men's golf coach at Baylor. Today, I have a very special guest, a really good friend of mine, Larry Penley, the golf coach at Clemson University for the last 42 years. Larry, who will be retiring at the end of the season this year, is one of the truly great, iconic coaches in the modern day college golf world. He's won a national championship. He's won 80 golf tournaments as a coach, coached numerous All-Americans, College Players of the Year, NCAA champions, a bunch of tour players, and he's uh, actually one of the great coaches and a really good friend of mine and a great guy. So I hope you enjoy listening to the podcast today with Larry Penley of Clemson. Larry Penley, golf coach at Clemson University. Welcome to my Better Than I Found It podcast today. It's my pleasure to be here, Mike. Thank you for having me. Well, it's great having you on. You are, uh, in my opinion, one of the great legends in uh, college golf history, a good friend of mine, a great guy, and I'm just thankful you you took an hour or so out of your time today to, to talk about it. So, if we can start by talking about the big elephant in the room, if you will, <laughs> the big elephant is you're retiring after 38 years as the golf coach at at Clemson. So, man, I don't know if everybody knows about it, but I, I was certainly shocked when I heard it. Talk to me about that. Um, I've, I've actually been thinking about it for a while. You know, we, we, we come up with plans for our lives and plans for ourselves. And I've rewritten mine three times now. Yeah. I, I didn't know when I first started coaching, which I was 23 as a head coach in 1983. So I started young. I didn't know if this was what I wanted to do. I had a 10 year plan for myself. After the 10 years, I wrote a 15 year plan for myself. And then after that, I wrote one more 15 year plan and I was planning on retiring after 35 years, but I was blessed with a bunch of good boys. I was blessed with amazing parents. And that kind of kept me going. Um, so really, I had planned, Mike, to kind of get out of here after 35, but I drug it on to 38. Um, and I really love the team I've got. I love the boys I've, I have. And there again, it's, you know, we, 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 we try to build a culture. And I think we've done a pretty good job with that. But the culture starts with our kids' parents, to me. And I am blessed right now with some amazing parents. They let me coach. They let Coach Bird coach. Um, they don't get in our way. I've, I've actually got a mama that uh, played college basketball. She gets on me when I don't get on her son hard enough. So <laughs> I love that. You know, when, when, when do we have that? We, we, we don't get that off. It That's is a dream. A dream. You know, it just they, they just let me coach and love on their kids. So I've been blessed with that. Um, 38 years is enough. Um, Heidi and I have four beautiful grandkids, and I think we've got another one on the way. All my children are close. All three of my kids are close. Um, I did this by myself for 20, 23 years. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to spending time with my family. In those first 23 years without an assistant, um, I didn't, uh, you know, I I, unfortunately, I spent a lot of time away from home, um, and I'm not going to do this with this next generation of my family. So, I'm going to be around more. Somebody, I've got three grandsons right now under the age six, 
somebody's got to teach them how to play golf. So I'm really looking forward to that. Have you already got a f- official home visits set up for those boys? Yes. They're, yeah. <laughs> I didn't no know if you were trying it. to lock them down for Clemson or not already. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, that's very good. Well, Larry, I appreciate that. And 38 years is, is a heck of a run. You know, I know my day is coming. Um, I'd like to coach personally another 10 years because I got started in college coaching a lot later than you did. I was 37 yeah. when I went to work for Mike Holder. So um, you'd already been in college coaching 13 or 14 years. I'd been a high school coach, but so you've been in the rigors of the battles and the, you know, a lot longer than I have. So I think I can make it another 10. That's my goal. Good. Good. I hope so. Yeah, let's hope so. Well, I want to say something before I move on with this, because I have a bunch of things I'd like to talk about so people get to know your philosophy a little bit better. But can I go over some of your accomplishments? Sure. When I did this with Bruce Hepler, it opened my eyes and I thought, wow, that guy's been really good. When I stopped to look at what you've done in 38 years, now I'm, I'm going to embarrass you a little bit here, but I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and go right through it if you would. So you've been 38 years as a head coach and you played golf at Clemson. So you've been there basically 42 years. That's the longest stretch, I think, of any coach at Clemson. Yes. You've uh, you bleed orange. I know it. If we cut you open, you'd you'd bleed orange. There's no doubt. There, there's um, a little purple in there, but not much. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah. orange in there <laughs> hey, uh, so you've won 79 tournament titles. Now that's amazing in and of itself. But what's really cool about that is that you've won 14 titles in the last four years. So it's not like your your success is just waning and they're just kind of pushing you out the door. It's like Larry can't win a golf tournament anymore. His team's just not any good. Well, you've got a great team. And not very many coaches get to leave on their own terms, but also leaving the next guy a really good program. So you've done that. 14 tournament titles in the last four years. Not very many teams have won that many. You are the only coach in history that has seven regional championships. 13 times you've finished in the top 10 at the Nationals, eight times in the top five, 29 times your team has been to the National Finals in, in your 38 years. Um, you had a stretch from 1997 to 2003, every year top 10 at the National Championship. And it, in 2003, you won an all-elusive that's hard to do, win a national championship at Karsten Creek and Stillwater. I was there, and I want to talk about that pretty deeply here in a bit. You won nine ACC championships. You've coached three U.S. Public Links champions, two U.S. Amateur champions, an NCAA individual champion. Oh, my goodness. And you are one of the youngest members to be inducted into the Golf Coaches Association Hall of Fame at age 44. Um, so, Larry, that's quite a career right there. And I don't didn't mean to embarrass you, but you've got to – when you started in 1983, could you have imagined this? No, no. Um, when I started coaching, I actually still wanted to play. You know, I'm 23 years old. Um, I did kind of reapply for my amateur status, but I wasn't ready to give up playing. Um, I was very lucky to have a very good, solid golf association in our state, in South Carolina Golf Association. And I, kind of started playing in those tournaments and those amateur tournaments. And that kind of got my juices going back again as a player and golf became fun again. And I think my coaching kind of evolved off of that. You know, I was still playing with Chris Patton and Oswald Drowdy who were first team all Americans. And, you know, I'm playing in the state am against those guys. So 
Didn't yeah, he win really, that a couple times? I did. I won it in uh, what '87 and '88, and I got Patton both times, and and that was you know. And then the next year, Patton wins the USAM, so I think he kind of got me back there. And I was at Marion when he won. I was the next to last guy out in a 23 man playoff for the last few spots. And if I get that last spot, I'm playing Chris. Oh wow! So I know, I know. As fate would have it. Um, I three putt and I don't make it. And he goes on and wins the golf tournament. But anyway, he and I laugh about that a lot. And I tell him, you don't know how lucky you were that I didn't make it. Cause I was taking your butt out in that first <laughs> round. <laughs> Larry, uh, Larry, Larry. Hey, uh, you did beat him in the state am a couple of years in a row. So maybe that could have happened. But, um, you know, having said that a lot of college golf coaches played college golf and played some form of professional golf. So you had that experience as, as I did. Um, and, I look back on my experiences as a player and, and I can easily see a lot of the reasons I didn't make it as a player. And I've been able to use some of those things to help me be a better coach. You know, as for, can you see things in you as a player that didn't work that you've helped players with as you've coached them? Yeah. And I, I think the biggest issue, uh, I didn't work hard enough. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I didn't put in the time. Uh, I love to play. I really didn't love to practice. Um, you know, I had rather go play in, in a dog fight or, or, or grab a couple teammates and let's go play. Well, a lot of that, a lot of that time I should have spent working on my skills and working on my talents instead of just going out and enjoying the game. Um, that's, that's kind of been a transition in my coaching philosophy. You know, they, I'm able to tell them what it takes and, and, you know, I've got guys on tour that I'm able to to talk about and show them what they did, and hopefully it catches on. Um, but yes, there are. Uh, I didn't work hard enough on my short game. You know, we all wanted to hit hit pretty shots. Um, you know, we we didn't work on our bodies. You know, that lifting and working out and, and being in shape. I mean, granted, we walked and played golf every day. We were in golf shape, but we really weren't in athletic shape. These kids today are athletes, first and foremost. Um, so, yeah, there, there, there are a lot of different things that I, I talked to them about that I wished I had done different. And we're always trying to make sure that they don't make the same mistakes. Well, that's good. I, I think that I've done the same. You know, one of my biggest problems, I played really conservative, cautious golf uh, as an amateur. I'd worked so hard. I was just the opposite. I, I probably overdid it. But uh, I, when I see a kid who wants to drive a green on a par four, I got a big smile on my face because it's like I couldn't do that or I wouldn't even have considered it when I was your age. <laughs> so have at it. Go, big boy. Go hit that shot on the green. So I think all coaches that have played the game can look back at their experiences and realize, well, I'm working for a living for a reason. So maybe there's some things I could help my player out with. So you, as a coach, I've watched from afar – you're not like every other coach. You've got your own way of doing things, and I've seen that and witnessed it. But one thing I've noticed about you, Larry, that I really love, you are very, very authentic to who you are. In other words, your coaching matches up with Larry Penley, the person. And you just, I don't know, that being authentic is a, is a big deal in coaching. Well, I, I appreciate that. I mean, I can't be anybody other than who I am. And, and, all of us can say that. Um, I do think my personality comes out in coaching. They they find out real quick that I'm extremely competitive, 
and they know really quickly that I, I don't like losing. Um, but I kind of have to put harnesses on that. You know, I, Kevin Johnson broke me of that at, at, at a very early age. Um, I couldn't have been 27, 28 years old. And here I am with, with the U S public links champion. And we're, we're tied with Oklahoma state at the Chris Schenkel invitational and Kevin hits it in the water and makes double and we lose by one and I am fuming. <laughs> and I, Kevin looked at me and he goes, before you say one word, please know I was not trying to hit that ball in the water. <laughs> and it really grabbed me. I mean, it really kind of, that was a, a, a life coaching learning lesson at age 27 or 28 years old that I've tried to kind of, kind of mature it helped me mature as a coach but it's it's a lesson that I learned and um you know I I know they don't try to play poorly I know they don't try to do some of the stuff that they do um it's hard though sometimes as a coach to be patient and get through that and that's 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 been a long that's been a long learning lesson for me yeah what you and I have to remember is uh if if we were if we were playing, we wouldn't have made it as many of those same mistakes. But we're that's right. <laughs> we've made exactly right. So, uh, but no, that's good that you know, and, and that's the part that I love about coaching. And and one of the reasons I started this podcast uh, was the ever uh, search for learning more about who you are, uh, helping grow our profession so that we're all better. I mean, and so that's why talking with you is such a, a cool. Op- opportunity for me today just to actually hear some of the things that were important to you and how you evolved as a coach by the way we we kind of glossed over the fact you were a coach at 23 I mean you could have been a fifth year senior on that golf team and you're trying to coach him talk about that because Mike Holder always talked to me about that he was he got the job at Oklahoma State at 24 and Quite frankly, he wasn't ready to coach. And so he right. just not hit balls for eight hours a day and t- told the kids, you better hit balls eight hours. How'd you handle that? Well, it, it was a, it was a problem. Um, there were guys that were seniors. Um, Dillard Pruitt, who just retired as a PGA tour official and Norman Chapman that were freshmen when I was a senior. Hmm. So I had teammates that I'm now coaching and I had a, uh, when I left the term professional two years prior to that, I had not finished my degree. So um, they weren't going to pay me for starters. I was living in a dorm um, as the head coach and they, and they weren't going to pay me until I finished my degree. So not only am I, am I their coach, but I'm going to school with them, hmm. you know, and I'm, and, and, and it was difficult. I mean, it really was difficult. Um, I had to really find a way to separate um, I really had to kind of put in my own ground rules. I had to um, kind of set some standards for myself, you know, graduating. And I had uh, my last two classes was uh, advanced cost accounting. And I had already dropped it two or three times and it had my number. Mm. And the other one was was it was a business, a business class. It was quality control. So we're, we're, we're talking about a lot of math here. Not my strong suit. Um, it took a lot of my time to finish those two courses. Um, but once I got that done and once I finally got my own core values established and what I wanted to do with our golf team, it became easier. But with that, with that first bunch for a couple of years, it was, it was kind of tough. I mean, it was really tough. I don't think I was ready for it. Well, you know, I've got a good friend, Lieutenant Colonel Dan Rooney, and he says, go before you're ready. 
go before, which is what you did. You just jumped in. It's what you wanted to do, and you figured it out. So you're probably better before it. No doubt, no doubt. And 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 like I said, once I got my core values established, and once they knew what my core values were, and then once they started looking at me as coach instead of as teammate, um, it really became a lot easier. And then once I got my own players in there things kind of started moving forward. Chris Patton and Kevin Johnson, for example, were, you know, you had a, I had a U.S. public links champ and a USAM champ on the same team. So it's, that's, that's pretty easy to coach that bunch. Yeah. Just get them in the van. That's right. That's right. Get them to the T on time. Well, listen, that's, so that's over four, uh, about 40 years ago, almost when you started almost, and you and I have both seen a lot of changes, but you've seen more than I have in, college athletics, but specifically college golf. So uh, I want to talk about two or three areas of that, one of them being facilities, another being recruiting, and then another being just the parity that there is in college golf. So facilities, you're sitting in a wonderful office in a great practice area right there in Clemson. I know you didn't have that when you first started. So talk to me about how you went about the facilities, because most teams didn't have a facility when you got started. Well, I mean, and ours is still relatively new. Um, I think our clubhouse is about eight or nine years old. Our short game facility is probably 10 years old. Our driving range is probably 12 to 15 years old. I mean, even when we won the national championship in 2003, I had a push-up chipping green. Mm -hmm. I did not have targets on my range. I had 50-gallon drums with numbers painted on them. That was our targets. Um, and then come the facility bombardment um luckily for us we had start we had started to have some guys on on the pga tour be successful and they started to want come back help me raise money and let's upgrade our facilities coach so i mean if it wasn't for lucas glover dj trahan jonathan bird charles warren um you know all those guys won on the pga tour they came back and helped us raise money and they still help us raise money and I'm not going to say Clemson doesn't care about golf because they do. Um, but, but it was, it was our former players. It was the guys that really wanted to grab this bull by the horns and coach. Let's, let's really make this work. And um, I can't thank them enough for it, but they are the reason that the facilities are the way they are. And, and I, as, as great as I think our facilities are, there are probably 10 different schools in the, in the United States that have even better facilities everybody's got great facilities today in the, in the Atlantic coast conference, our, our facilities are fantastic. And I know out there in the big 12, they are fantastic facilities. Um, I, I think there's, that's just part of the territory today. Well, and it wasn't, you know, 30, 40 years ago, it wasn't the focus. You were just trying to figure out how to field a team in those days. And, that's right. and now if you, you're probably going to have a real tough time fielding a team, if you haven't done something with facilities and, you know, but the truth is you won a national championship with some barrels and numbers painted on them on a push-up chipping green as well. So you can do it without the facilities, but I just think it's it's probably one of the biggest changes is we've needed to get them to make it happen. Okay, recruiting. Now that's a different animal. I know for many, Oof. many years you sort of had a lock and key down in the state of South Carolina, and <laughs> you literally recruited in that state a bunch, but you can't do that necessarily in the modern day, just your own state. Talk about differences in recruiting. Yeah, it, it, it really has opened up. Um, I, I have been very fortunate 
I mean, Golf Digest wrote a piece one time. Uh, the South Carolina Junior Golf Association was ranked as the number one junior junior golf association in in the country. Um, and if you look back over the gosh, the last twenty years, the players on tour that they've that they've put out, you know, the Bill Hosses, the Kevin Kisners, the Dustin Johnsons, the Lucas Glovers, the DJ Trahan's, Jonathan Birds. I mean, the list goes on. Um, they really were putting out a lot of players. Um, Coach McDonald at the University of South Carolina and I kind of have a running joke. You you get the Tigers and I'll get the Gamecocks. And then we'll fight over these other ones. You know, so we really made a living. I made a living off these kids in state. You know, in 2003, when we won the national title, all 10 players on my roster were from the state of South Carolina. That is amazing. I mean, truly amazing. Uh, then in 2009, to show you how our recruiting had branched out, I had a young man from Auburn, New York, and I had a young man from Gig Harbor, Washington. You can't get on further ends of the spectrum in, in the United States than that. So our recruiting has branched. Um, the kids in state kind of run hot and cold. It kind of runs kind of runs in a cycle. I still want to get the best two players every year in, in, in the state of South Carolina, or at least the best player in the state of South Carolina. And I think we do a good job of that. Um, but the Carolinas Golf Association, North Carolina has caught up with South Carolina. And you're really about to see a lot of great players come out of the state of North Carolina. So, you know, NC State, North Carolina, even Duke and Wake are both really making hay off these kids in the state of North Carolina. So um, we have been blessed. Southeast has been extremely good. Um, and recruiting has just gone, it's gone nationwide. I mean, it really has. You know, and, and the Clemson brand. I mean, I, I, I can thank football. I can thank Dabo Sweeney. You know, you can't turn on college football game day without seeing that Tiger Paul. Well, I've got kids sending me emails that I never would have dreamed of recruiting. You know, Coach Clemson looks like a cool place. I'd like to come see it, you know. So I'm blessed to have that. That is that is good. Yeah, recruiting's changed a lot. I I know that there weren't even weren't even recruiting budgets 40 years ago for you just kind of called kids up and you, you invited them to come on campus. There wasn't a recruiting budget for most schools. So because of facilities changing so much and that kind of being an arms race and because everybody's recruiting now, I mean, you walk at the U.S. Junior and there's 150 or 60 schools there at the U.S. Junior. But because of those two things, I think one of the other big changes in your time in college coaching has been the parity the fact that there are so many good teams. When you first got in, maybe there were eight or 10 teams that had any, any sort of chance of winning the national championship. How about now? Oh, gosh. Um, I remember when I first started, we, we wanted to be like Wake Forest. I mean, Wake was, Wake was, our, Wake was our bar, you know, if, if we could get to Wake. I think we had Wake, we had Florida, we had Houston. Obviously, we had Oklahoma State. Uh, we had UCLA. Uh, out on the West Coast, um, and that really was about it. And then we had a bunch of decent teams. Now we have a bunch of really good teams. Um, and I just think there's more players. You know, they're, 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 there's just more kids falling in love with our sport. There's more kids choosing to compete at a higher level. Everybody's got good players. Everybody's got good teams. And if you're not ready to play each week, I don't care what kind of field you're playing in. If you're not ready to play, you're going to get your butt beat. And that's pretty much the way it is. Um, I really, I honestly think 
this year, there might be 15 teams that, that, that would have a chance to win, especially now that we've gone to this match play format. Um, I mean, you don't need to win but three matches. You don't need but three guys to play well a particular day. Everybody's got three good players. Yep. You know, so the, it, it is paired. I mean, it truly is paired. But you know what? As much as that's different, I'm glad. It keeps us on our toes. I mean, you know, so you're – are you 60, Larry? You're my age, I think. I'm, I'm 62. Okay, 62. So you're basically my age. Um and we've had to be the best we could possibly be at age 60 to just even have a chance to compete. So the fact that there were that many good teams, it forces you to do something or else, right? That, 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 that's exactly right. Um, and, and I'm blessed to have Coach Bird. You know, Jordan, Jordan keeps, keeps me on my toes. He, he keeps our golf team up with the latest and the newest and, and, and all that stuff that at some point in time I hate to say I could care less. But he keeps it as a focus for our golf team, and it, and it really helps our players. Well, and my assistant, Mikel Andreessen, he's very, very forward-thinking, uh, very up-to-date on the world today as things are. And so I think we need a young coach to help us with that. But also, uh, your program's about as good as it's ever been. My gosh, you're ranked third in the country right now. As I said earlier, you've won 14 tournaments in the last three, uh, four years. So it's not like this program's on the way down. It's in a great spot. Here you are, 62. Not very many guys get to go out with it. But let me talk about one other thing. Uh, you talked. You mentioned PGA Tour success. Um, and you mentioned Charles Warren, which I had forgotten about. But Doc Redman, who's playing on the PGA Tour. Kyle mm-hmm. Stanley, who's won on the PGA Tour. Lucas Glover, U.S. Open champion 2009. DJ Trahan, obviously won several times on the tour. And Jonathan Bird, the same. I mean, that's a pretty good lineup right there. Am I missing anybody? Uh, ben Martin is yep. out there. Yep. Uh, Sam Saunders still okay. has some conditional status. Yep. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm really proud of all of them. I mean, they, they, they have done such an excellent job. You know, Jonathan's won five times out there. People, people forget that Jonathan, Jonathan's been on the PGA Tour now since, gosh, 2000. You know, he went straight from college, and he got his tour card real quick. Um, I hate Charles kind of packed it in as, as early as he did. You know, a, a lot of Scott Fawcett's, you know, a, a lot of that stuff we still use with, with Scott Fawcett's is based on Charles Warren's driver. You know, people don't know that. Um, for 10 years, Fawcett had Charles's driving stats, and he arguably, no, there was no argument. He was the best driver of the golf ball I've ever seen. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm really proud of those guys. Uh, I know they're still fighting. I know Glover's still working hard. I know Trahan is probably working harder than he's ever worked in his life. I mean, it's – and these young kids coming out of college are, are, are pushing those guys. They're making them work hard. They're going to have to or they're going to lose their job. So sure. – well, you but, know, but I am proud of them. You, uh, you should be. That's, that's quite a, a group of guys. But, you know, you mentioned DJ. And G, DJ was part of that – he wasn't the first good player you had, and he certainly hadn't been the only good player. You've had a bunch since. But he was part of that NCAA championship team in 2003 at Carson Creek. I remember that like it was yesterday. I was an assistant for Mike Holder, and I'd spent, gosh, two years preparing for that championship. And and you know, I prayed for two years that the wind would blow. <laughs> and <laughs> we, the, it, it blew eight miles an hour one day and was dead calm the other three. 
And I knew we were in for in for some trouble that week with you all. You were the best team in the country. You, there was no doubt about it. And there's a stat that I want to give you now that most people don't know. The top five ranked teams, one, two, three, four, and five, coming into the national championship, finished exactly one, two, three, four, five. In wow. That. Yeah. I don't think that's ever wow. happened. That's hard to do. You were the best team. We had won three times that spring, and we were the, probably the second best team. And uh, wow, what a week! Your your thoughts, your memories, go. Yeah, yeah, it, it it was an incredible week, and believe me, we were it was so stinking hot. We were we were begging for a breeze as well. <laughs> I remember it really being really really hot. Um, that team was kind of a a, a couple years in, in in the making. The previous year, two thousand two at, at Ohio State, we had the lead after thirty six. The exact same team. And DJ Trahan was the Ben Hogan Award winner in 2002. So really my biggest and best recruiting job ever was to get him to come back for his senior year. Callaway had put a million dollars on the table, and I thought he was gone. DJ didn't have a pot pee. Was driving an old Volkswagen Jetta that didn't have a back bumper. Um, He was ready to move on. I didn't know until late July that he was coming back. And it turned out to be the easiest coaching job after that ever. I mean, he made phone calls to his teammates. And you talking about holding people accountable? He said, I'm coming back for one reason and one reason only. I want to win a ring. And we and I can't do it by myself. And he called Matt Hendricks. He called Jack Ferguson. He called Greg Jones. He called Ben Duncan. He goes, we're going to get this done. And, and he did. Uh, I think we won seven times that year. Um, but we had not won a tournament in the spring until we beat Wake Forest at the ACC championship. Jack Ferguson made an eight-footer for Birdie on 18, um, playing with Bill Haas for us to beat Wake by a shot. And then we blew the field away in the regionals at Auburn. I think we won by 14 or 15 and shot some ridiculously low scores. So we were ready to play once we got to Stillwater. Um, but that might be the most difficult test. If, if the wind had blown, I remember that golf course was so hard, they had to cut the field because we, we couldn't finish. You know, the rough was how we, we called it the curb. The curb was about six or seven inches. And if your ball rolled off the green, it rolled right up to it. And we didn't have a shot for that. I mean, it, it, it was so difficult. Larry, we spent a ridiculous amount of money overseeding that place. And there wasn't a cart on those fairways from September 1 until you guys got there at the national championship. And quite frankly, it was beautiful in the winter because the, the Zoysia fairways went dormant, but the, uh, the rye grass in that rough was four, five, six inches all winter. It was the most gorgeous. It outlined the fairway for you and exactly where to hit it. But I do recall uh, the rules official who was given the, uh, during the um, pre-tournament coaches meeting, he was giving the, oh, just kind of the overview of the golf course and how they had found it and what, how they marked it and everything. And one of the things he said, he said, just be careful when your players go into those trees and bushes because uh, there's a lot of snakes and ticks out here. <laughs> and we were no big deal because we've been fighting snakes and t- ticks in Stillwater for years. But every, these coaches looking around at each other like, as if that six-inch rough isn't enough. <laughs> now you're right. Right. But, uh, well, yeah, I recall no it, win that week. You guys played beautifully and shot 39. No, 
No win. Yeah, we shot. I, I think that that was the highest winning score ever shot. Um, I do remember the the, the third round. Um, we shot 287. We shot one under par in that third round. Matt Hendricks shot 69. And that might have been one of the best rounds of golf I have ever seen. Um, you know, then we shoot 303 the last day, you know, and still hang on to win. Um, it was just a very difficult test. But it was a lot of fun. I mean, it and, and my guys embraced the fact that everybody from Oklahoma State showed up in orange. So it was like a home meet for us. I mean, <laughs> Trahan would walk over to people and thank them for wearing orange. You know, God, man, appreciate y'all making us feel at home, you know. So <laughs> it, it, we, we blended in quite nicely with the crowd. And there was a big crowd there that week. Yeah, every time they've hosted a national championship at Carson Creek, there's – Three to 5,000 fans out there, at least for the final day. So that that's what I want for college golf at some yeah. point, is that every time we show up at the national championship, you've got two, three, four, five thousand 5,000 fans. That's exciting. And hopefully someday it will get to that. But I, you know, I look back on that, and I don't think you wiped that smile off your face all summer that, that you got on the 18th green there at Carson Creek, uh, because I know it had been a long, long journey to get to that day. You've been coaching for 20 years. So. Well, it, it had, and and like I said earlier, that 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 wasn't a that wasn't a flash in the pan. I mean, we had knocked on the door so close. I mean, we're I'm leading going into the last round in '89, and we lose. We we finished third at at Conway Farms in in '96, and we we very easily could have won. That was the year Charles Warren won the NCAA's. The very next year in Albuquerque, we shoot 31 under, break the NCAA record. Unfortunately, UNLV shot 33 under with Charlie Hoffman and Bill Lundy and Jeremy Anderson. And that was an amazing team. And we just ran away from everybody. And to me, that was probably the best golf we'd ever played in the NCAAs. And then in 2000 at Duke, us, Georgia, Georgia Tech had been one, two, three all year, all year. And if you'd have told me we were going to beat Georgia and Georgia Tech, I'd say, well, just put the trophy in our van because nobody else has beat us. Florida catches lightning in a bottle that week and we finish second, you know, and stuff like that had just been happening. I wasn't real sure that that we were ever going to win a national championship. So really, it was more relief. And I'm telling you, you have to be lucky. Um, you, you can prepare and do everything you're supposed to do. But if the breaks don't go your way, you know, it's Sometimes it's just meant to be. And, and I think finally our time that year was meant to be. We In 2008, we were playing the national championship at Purdue. And that golf course played really, really hard. And we're teeing yeah. off the first round on number 10. And Kevin Tway, who I'm following, hits it. And it takes one hop into toward, toward a fairway bunker, but there was about eight inches of rough. And we went up there, couldn't find it. He had to go back to the tee, double bogey his first hole. We're playing with a kid from UCLA who pull hooked his second shot going for the green in two. It hit a goose on the head and bounced onto the green in the water and bounced onto the green. And I thought, if I look back <clears throat> on it, they won the national championship and they had that break on the first hole. And we had Kevin's break on the first hole. Sometimes breaks matter. They do. No, no they do matter. They really matter. Um, and if you remember the young man that won from UCLA, the break he got the last day on 17 on that par three. Oh, wow. You know, he's, he's left of the green and he hits the flagstick. That ball is going in the water and he hits that flagstick about midway and it keeps the ball dry. 
you know, and UCLA goes on and wins and Kevin goes on and wins. And, you know, sometimes it's just your week. You know, go ahead. I was glad that week. I think UCLA shot 41 over. So that wiped out my highest winning score. And in the NCAA, we had it at 39 over. Then UCLA took it over, I think, at 41 or 42 over what they shot that week. But yeah, and what a difficult place. The difference that week was the wind did blow. It, uh, did, blow. it did blow. It did blow. And that was a, the last two rounds. It just got after it. And um, so anyway, I, you know, your memories of Carson Creek and mine are, are almost identical, honestly. <laughs> One of us had a smile on her face. The other had a frown. But it's okay. And um that was that was a great, great, great accomplishment. And the but your team hasn't gone downhill since you've been great all through the years. And I was looking at you've won just about as many tournaments in each decade that you've coached, almost identical the four decades you've coached. So um, very, very consistent through the time over the years. So I'm going to ask you this question because uh, because I'm going to have to face this one day. My day's coming. When was the moment that you knew it was time? that it was time to hang him up. Now you mentioned earlier about grandkids and all that. And is that, I'm sure that's wrapped up in it, but at what point did you say, yep, I'm going to do it next year or I'm going to do it at some point? Oh, that's, that, that's a good question. I can honestly say that COVID kind of helped push me in that direction. Um, I had really been thinking about it and I had been praying over it. I had been, you know, I'm, I'm really looking for a sign. Um, I, I hate to say it, but I, I think COVID really was the, you know, it kind of slowed my life down. It got me off the road recruiting. You know, we, I mean, we can't even have kids in, much less spend time on the road. So, you know, it kind of simplified my life. It uh, made me really appreciate my family more because that was, that was really the only people I could hang out with. Um, and it, it really kind of made me, uh, you know what, this now would be a good time to do it. And, um, it doesn't have anything to do with our game or my team or my players. Um, I, I, I did pick, though, a, a couple years ago when I was thinking about this. I, I've got Chris Patton's son. Colby is a senior on this team. I've got Kyle Cottom, who's an All-American, who has started since his freshman year, is a senior. Turk Pettit is a senior. Um, and then I had only one senior last year and the NCAA give him a, give him an additional year. And he's been a starter. He came in with doc Redmond and he started every tournament since his freshman year. So I figured, you know what, it might be really good to go out with these four guys. Uh, they've given our golf program and golf team so much. And I, you know, I, I thought it might be nice just to go out with those guys, but now Kobe is coming back. Um, Cottom's going to come back. You know, I know Coach Bird's trying to hustle and come up with some scholarship dollars for those guys, but the NCAA grant them an additional year of eligibility, so they're they're going to try to come back. I know Pettit's going to move on and turn pro. Nottingham will be done. Uh, we've got two great juniors on this team. Jacob Bridgman is a fantastic player. He's either ranked number one or number two right now um, and is really a great player. He's one of the best players I've ever had. The 16-under that he shot down at Camp Creek in our first tournament about three weeks ago was some of the best golf. I, I really, we, we, we took a page out of y'all's book um, from the colonial. So we, we took an additional individual and we played two threes. So I took Pettit and Bridgman um, and we, 
we did swap out a guy in there, but, but I took that group. So I got to watch every shot Bridgman hit for, for 54 holes. And I, I can't remember that happening many times in my coaching career, but I really enjoyed it. And I really got a great appreciation for just how good that was. I mean, he shoots 15, 16 under wins by five. Uh, that's some of the best golf I'd ever seen. Um, but man, I, I, I really have enjoyed this bunch. And I think, uh, I think we're going to finish this deal pretty, pretty good. I think the guys are focused and ready to go. I love that. And you are ranked third in the country as we're doing this recording. So you obviously they're they're the production on the golf course matches what you think they can do uh, uh, as a team this year. That's that's really awesome. So, um, but first of all, I want to make a statement. We're not going to do a speed round with you, Larry. Okay. So we usually do a speed round. We're not going to do one of those today, but I do want to say a couple of things. One, personally, I'm going to miss having you out there in the, on the recruiting trail, seeing you at golf tournaments. I know we only saw each other two or three tournaments a year, but we'd always see you at the national championship. Personally, I'm going to miss seeing you. Uh, really good friend of mine, Jay Sewell, uh, is a very dear friend of yours. And, you know, you, you take for granted, you don't mean to, but you take for granted relationships until they're kind of not there. And so yeah. although our relationship will still be there, we won't be seeing you. And that, that's, that's tough for us. So. Well, it's, it, that's going to be my toughest part. Um, I'm, some of my best friends, some of my dearest friends, people I, you know, I, I, I needle Jay all the time. He knows I love him dearly, uh, although he and I tell him he is my favorite Gamecock. I, I know he's coaching <laughs> at Alabama, but he went to South Carolina. He did. Um, but he is my favorite Gamecock. And uh, anytime we're playing Alabama in football, which we've done quite a bit here lately, he and I are on a constant text battle the entire game. Of course, he's gotten the better of me the last few times. Um, but I will miss the relationships. I will miss the coaches. Um, I'm blessed with a lot of good coaches in our conference. I mean, I, I love Bruce Hepner. Bruce and I have been dear friends for a long time. Uh, I know we've tried to beat each other's brains in, but still when push comes to shove and it's all over with and done, does it really matter? You know, I'd, I'd rather have the relationship. Um, and Bruce and I are already planning his retirement some someday, and what we're going to do. You know, we're we're we, we we've got plans and stuff to do. I've I've been in contact with Coach Sykes at NC State. You know, Coach Sykes coached for forty one years. Is one of the best friends I've got. He recruited me. Our wives are dear friends. Devin Browse is one of the best friends I've ever had. I worked a lot of camps with Devin. Devin helped a struggling young coach that was making no money by hiring at his hiring him me at his camp, which really helped me make it as a young guy with young kids. Um, th those relationships will forever be there. You know your friendship. Um, I've really enjoyed getting to know you. Not so much through the Oklahoma State days, although I did, um, but I I really got to know you even better when 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 you worked with Jay and, and, and that was a lot of fun for me. Um, and you two complement each other. If, if you two had stayed together, there is no telling how many national championships you two would have won together. Well, there's, there's a little confusion on that because Jay says that I took a job at Baylor and that I was out campaigning to try to get a job someplace. And I, <laughs> we won the national championship there at Prairie Dunes and I got fired the next day. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's all up for content. Who knows? I think Jake fired me. He thinks I took another job, but we'll see. <laughs> no, I did enjoy getting to know you a little bit better uh, through Jay, but I knew you very well. And so anyway, I was going to ask you one more question. And what do you think you'll miss the most? It sounds like to me, relationships is probably what you're going to miss. I'll, I'll miss the coaches. I, I won't, I won't miss the, I will, will, I will not miss the recruiting. Um, there are other things I can do from a competitive standpoint to keep me, to keep my competitive juices flowing. Um, I'm looking forward to shooting sporting clays again competitively. Uh, I'm actually looking forward to playing golf. What about the you state know, senior I'm, amateur? State senior amateur. Well, I, I need to win. There's only two guys in South Carolina that have won the state am, the mid am, and the senior am. Well, I've won the state am and the mid am. So, I want to win the senior am and the super senior am, which is 65 and over. So I've got about three years to get that senior am. Then I can work on that after 65. But, you know, th there's things I can do from a competitive standpoint. I am, I am going to miss – I'm really going to miss coaches. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to miss talking to them. I'm going to miss talking about coaching. Um, but I can, I, I can fix that. Heidi and I can get in my truck, and we can go to any golf tournament we want to go to. And I can go see my buddies. Um, and I'm really looking forward to doing that. You know what you need to do, too, when you see your buddies say, hey, Bruce, I don't think I would have done it that way. Why don't you? Right. Do <laughs> I agree. Oh, that I agree. I can be way more vocal. And uh, I've actually got some of the coaches in other sports here at Clemson. I go, you know what? I, it's been a long time since I've been to a soccer game. Um, it's been a long time since I've really gone to a weekend baseball, you know, and they're all telling me, I said, guys, I'm, I'm coming as an alum. They go, oh, God, please don't be that guy. I said, you know what? I might just be that guy for a while. So I'm really looking forward to it. Well, I, I want to say this, and I've said it already, but i just really going to miss you. Thankful for your friendship. Thank you for what you did for college golf and how you helped push our profession forward. And uh, honestly, I'd love to see you at Greyhawk. Um, June 2nd in the finals and that might be fun now let's uh, do that. that would be a blast that would be a great way to go out all right well Larry again congratulations thanks for coming on the podcast today and uh, we'll see you at a tournament soon thank you Mike I appreciate it thank you